Welcome to the Empower to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am your host. And today on the show, we got Ashley Mitchell, um, good friend of the program. You might have heard her on our episode before with Carissa uh, with White Cantana, where we talked about the adoption triad. Ashley represented the birth mom perspective, and she'll do so again today. But we wanted Ashley to be um, the, the lone guest today so we could talk with her through her perspective. Obviously, um, Ashley's story did not end um, as uh, a birth mom making a plan for adoption. She has um, long advocated for and spoken out um, in uh, areas of and on topics of adoption. And um, and it's just a powerful, powerful voice in that conversation. So we wanted to have her on today. And I would just give you this one um, disclaimer before we talk. One of the things that we discuss and one of the things that um, has been most profound for, I'll just speak personally, but for myself, is uh, being able to look back um, years ago, obviously, um, different social media mechanisms will bring up your pictures or your quotes, whatever, from you know a certain amount of years ago. It oftentimes is horrifying <laughs> to see what we wrote or what we were thinking or what we were saying or maybe how demonstratively we um, spoke about a certain topic um, several years ago, and, and it might be ways that we've we've grown since then. Um, that practice, that that. Um, that idea of looking back at our past um, and then taking stock of where we are now and seeing, have I grown as a person? Have I changed my perspectives? Have I um, been challenged by other viewpoints that might um, might help me to, to see things in a different light? Um, that is kind of the heart with which you want to start this conversation today. And so I would encourage you, um, if you are coming to this episode today, ready to decide that you know exactly what Ashley's perspective should be before you even sit down. Um, I would just encourage you to just give yourself a little reset before you do that. Um, but she brings uh, some powerful, powerful um, perspective today to our conversation. And, um, it, you know, I would just say, again, to challenge you to be able to um, take what Ashley says today, share to take the opinions that she, that she brings and um, her perspective and be able to consider that, um, not to immediately dismiss it or to immediately co-sign it and rah-rah with it, but to consider what it is that she's saying and, and to be able to grow and learn from the perspective that she brings as a brilliant um, activist and um, voice in this field. And so um, it, we're so glad she came on today. It was a great, great, really, really um, I think, important conversation. So excited for you to hear it now. Here she is, Ashley Mitchell. Well, as I said in the opening, we've got Ashley Mitchell here, or you might know her better as Big Tough Girl on Instagram. And so she uh, and Tana Ottinger are joining us today. And um, as you may or may not know, and if you're listening to this live, you know this is um, November is National Adoption Awareness Month. And so it brings up a litany of emotions for everybody who's involved. Um, and so our hope is always, um, when we when we do lean into this month thematically on the podcast, we are always just hoping to be able to equip um, and educate and empower all of you with the knowledge that you need to um, just be able to be better humans and to feel seen, known, loved, understood, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's an impossible task for a one hour, 90 minute podcast, whatever. But um, our hope is that we can kind of, uh, in whatever way we can, help you as a listener kind of move into a better space of awareness and understanding um, and then help do the same for people in your life. And so um, all that said, as an introduction, um, Tana, you shared a phrase lately that I feel like I'm relatively in the loop because, you know, I, I work here and, you know, we're, I'm an adoptive dad and all that. I had no idea about the phrase constellation. And so do you want to kind of start in that regard by um, explaining that as a framework for our conversation today? Yes. First of all, like so excited. I mean, we were having like a little mini like cheering moment before we hit record about how excited we are to be here together today. And, you know, Ashley, as always, just so appreciate any time we have to connect. So I'll ditto JD and just say thanks in the middle of what I know is a very busy, busy month for you. Like, thanks for taking a minute and giving us some of your time. I really honor that and deeply appreciate it. So um, when we think, we we actually had um, an episode, maybe it's been about a year ago now, oh. where myself and Ashley and a dear friend and um, Carissa, 
Um, and we kind of shared from different perspectives of the triad. And, you know, I love, and I'm going to have Ashley tell us some more about it, but in this world, and I would hope it would be in all spaces we inhabit, we get to learn and grow. And um, we were joking a little bit before we hit record on like going back and looking at old memories <laughs> posts from a decade ago and how we're horrified at the things that we said and the headspace that we were in. But, you know, it's where we were then. And so thinking about the adoption constellation is, is I think, another one of those places of growth and understanding of it. There's so many people involved in this world of adoptive families and first families and adoptees and there's grandparents and aunties and uncles and dads and siblings. There's just so many people that um, historically haven't necessarily had a place to like share their voice and to be heard. And so we want to be mindful and always, to the best of our ability, be willing to grow and to change our language and to do better and to stay open-minded. So I think in that vein, we want to think about it that way. And of course, Ashley, take us away because we're here, just kind of ready to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> Maybe introduce yourself a little bit for our listeners that didn't catch the last time you were on. Um, we'd love to hear a little bit about your story. Yeah, I... I'm so excited to be invited to be here, especially this month. Um, I think it has been just about a year. We got to do our conference together in our little panel, um, the three of us, you with Carissa, and then that represented these sides of this triad, which is what we had used before, right? And now we're in this space, expanding language and understanding and involvement, you know, because I'm a sports junkie, I always use there's more players in the game than we, <laughs> than we know, right. And, um, and so I'm here for those of you who don't know, my name is Ashley Mitchell. I am here in Utah and I placed my son for adoption almost, well, 16 and a half years ago, he'll be 17 in 2023. So I've been in this space as a birth mother for a really long time. My husband and I, um, have two children that we parent. And so he has, you know, um, these half step siblings that are a part of this open adoption relationship. And he was just here a couple of weeks ago to sleep over and spend time with us. And it's mind blowing. We've been talking about the then and now so much for November, um, really reflecting. Um, we've, we've been pounding education for so long now in the last few years, especially in the last five years, we have an expectation. We have raised the bar and how we expect people to come to the table, prospective adoptive parents, how they're educated and prepared to step into adoption, um, expectant mothers um, that are considering adoption, being educated, um, listening to adult adoptees, those kind of requirements, we've really stepped it up. And so this year for me, one of this big, this thing that keeps coming up for me is we haven't had a harvest of everything that we've learned. And so let's bring everyone together. And what did you believe about these things then versus what you believe about these things now? And I'm telling you, I've been looking back through old blog posts and Facebook, and I am in, like physically yes. embarrassed yep. at some of the things. And this Same. month, it wasn't about like, yeah, I didn't want to make it about shame about how we felt then because there's actually things that I wrote that were very real and very in the moment about how I related to my lived experience. And some of those were for sheer survival, for just basic survival. And some of them were because I didn't know any better. That's what I was taught. And so that's what I attached to my story. Right. Um, but the evolution, to be able to harvest it now and say, this is what I believe now, I think it's awesome to show if I believed then, the same than I haven't done any work. And so it's actually made me feel really proud of myself that we've actually come a long way and learned something. Yeah. Um, so 16 years in the game started from no contact for the first five years into developing and building and evolving into the relationship we have now. Um, and now it's just 
you know, you don't know what you don't know. And now we know. And so have we implemented it and are we doing better and what are the next steps? So I've, I've appreciated looking back even in some of the cringy, embarrassing (laughs) moments, but I'm pretty proud of myself about where we are and what we've learned. Absolutely. I love that. You wrote a post, I think in one of your posts, the last couple of days, you hinted at that. And I read it and I just sat with it. I was like, I am so grateful for the way that like you put your finger on that reality because we can go into like spirally shame and we can just go into like deep places of shaming ourselves for why would I have ever and, you know, just all of that kind of stuff that can take us down. Or I think the opposite of that is like, because we don't want to do that, like we double down uh-huh. and are unwilling to change our mind about things uh-huh. and are unwilling to sort of see the other side of that. So we've got to like figure out how to like be human and like a honor that we are going to be changing and growing, right? Yeah. We're going to learn new things and change our mind about things and choose different vocabulary and learn new words and, 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 listen to new shared experiences and perspectives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tana, I love that you brought that up about doubling down too, because I think in this space, especially when we look at these Christian narratives and into adoption and things like that, I think that people feel like if they change their mind or adjust their viewpoint, that they're betraying beliefs or who they are or what they've learned their whole life or what they've been taught. And I just, I, that's painful to feel like you can't evolve because you feel like you're betraying something that is a part of who you are. And I just want to encourage those that are in that space of that push and pull of that, that those core foundational principles still are there and we Mm -hmm. can widen the lens a little without the betrayal of your beliefs. I think that that's a complicated space. Yeah. Well, I, I even think like the, the, uh, landscape in the rest of our country right now. And just the, the, and, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's exclusive to the U S but like just the place that we are in as an internet based culture, any type of growth or admitting different opinions or changing opinions over time gets you attacked online. Right. And, and then any big air quotes, wrong opinion online where you disagree with somebody else gets you attacked online. So we, we're creating, what we're creating is like a, a necessary double down culture because you can't admit that you now have a new opinion or you are, insert your insult from the other side, the enemy's viewpoint, so to speak, right? And so like yeah. when we stand divided in so many different places online, it makes it really, really difficult for us to maintain um, a viewpoint of ourselves as always changing, always evolving, always growing. Um, and, you know, we can see that historically. We can see, oh man, as a as a people, we used mm-hmm. to think that this was the best thing for us in this manner or whatever. Now we know that like, and yet for some reason, when it comes to our, our beliefs and our viewpoints and our um, our knowledge, we don't do that. And so I, I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah. And I think that yeah. is something for all of us to, to like, a hold <laughs> to hold on to tight as we go into this month. Yeah, that that humility of of honoring where we misstepped that has been vital in every massive change that's happened in our nation, and especially within adoption. We would, I mean, it's it's been vital to have that humility and that we misstepped and we screwed it up. So that's why I've loved this this theme this month as I've been focusing on that. It's been really powerful. Ashley, I would love for you to tell our listeners like what. What brings you to like staying, I mean, you in this work, like you, you give of your time and you advocate and you commit. And I know you work tirelessly, like what, what stirs in you that keeps you engaged in, in stepping into those spaces with, might I say, like a beautiful balance of always willing to sort of hear different perspectives, but I don't know. How, what what keeps you up, girl? Why are you like sh- share with me? What's- um well, I would say that part of it is a little bit masochistic and the other part is a little narcissistic. <laughs> okay, well good. Same. Same. So this, this is why we get along. I love it. 
No, but really, I just, um, it, I spent so many years in so much pain alone, alone with no support. And that just keeps me up at night to think that other women have opportunities to have these resources and no one, uh, they don't know how to ask. They don't know what to do, where to go. And I, I'm not okay. I just, I'm not okay with that. I, um, I'm not great at, um, taking care of myself in these spaces. It's a lot. It's a lot. I'm exhausted and I'm, um, just emotionally, the re-traumatizing of my own stuff is tough all the time and trying to stay present in my own life and parenting my kids and doing all the things. But this work is um, all-consuming. Um, and because it's so personal, because of my own lived experience, um, but I, I believe, I may never not, I may never see, my daughter and I talk about this all the time. When I look at my daughter so much, inspire so much of this to keep going, because I may never see the fruits of the labor that we're doing. I I don't know that that will ever be something that I see come to full fruition, but I know my daughter will. And if she ever found herself in any of the position that I was in, and I knew, and I know what I know and didn't do anything. I, I am not okay with that. Mm-hmm. And that for me is, you know, my parents, well, my parents always talk, you know, if we don't better the next generation, then what are we doing? <laughs> Having more children in this space. And I needed to be better for my daughter in, in many ways, not just, I mean, not just if she happened to get pregnant, like that's not the hope, right? That now I've made a way that she can get pregnant. It'll be better. That's not what I'm saying, but in so many ways to have resources and communication and less shame and judgment around just being human in that. Um, I want my daughter to see the path that was, that was fought for her through blood, sweat and tears of her mother. And that's, that's powerful for me for sure. Thank you for sharing that. I, I think that's the thing. There's been something in me that I think has always felt really connected to you because I hear you say like, oh, the, I, I give myself because I know there's years of loneliness. And you and I've shared that. Like, I yeah. think I feel similar, mm-hmm. like in really advocating for like a different way of connected parenting and really yeah. pushing after like those deep connections and attachment and heart and parenting in a different way is so much out of my own pain, right? Yeah. So much out of my own. Like I need support and help and I can't find it. Yeah. So I would love for you to share, if you don't mind, like Mm -hmm. some, what do you have your hand on right now? Like what all are you doing and what, tell us a little bit about some of the places and spaces that you're, that you're in right now. And that, you know, I'd love for our listeners to know where they can find, you and the in some of the work. Yeah. So our our biggest focus right now is our our need and need program, which is our post placement adoption program, which allows um, professionals. Our biggest our biggest thing over the years is that if you're going to be with us in the in the destruction, if if pregnant women are going to come to adoption professionals and they're going to stand with us in this destruction and claim best practice, where are you in the rebuild? That's right. It should be the standard practice of care to have lifelong post-placement support because we've learned adoption doesn't end at the hospital. It starts at the hospital. And that wasn't ever anything that was shared with me and, and so many other women that really believe that if we just made this decision and relinquished our rights under whatever circumstance that we could just go on and move on and, and have a second chance. And that's not the reality that has been happening. And so for us, it was if you are going to hold a license to be able to do that, then you have an ethical responsibility to stand with us in the rebuilds and give us resources um, to be able to manage that grief and trauma. So um, that's been our big focus because a lot of, you know, we've been in fights a lot with family preservation and that should be the only option. And at the end of the day, adoption isn't going anywhere and there's going to be women that need adoption options. They, they just are. As we've seen so many of the overturning 
of rulings in the Supreme Court, more and more, these conversations are going to come to the table. And if a, if a woman needs adoption, she's going to need grief and trauma support in the aftermath. And that's, that's my hope, is that women can have access for free to the grief and trauma resources. Yeah. And so that's our curriculum coast to coast, is that we can implement our materials that are written by birth mothers for birth mothers and implement those into spaces um, that claim to be there to support these women. And so that's our, that's our big focus. Um, we also, I believe deeply, this is adoption according to Ashley. <laughs> so take it. it for what give it's it worth. To, give it to us, friend. Um, I really do believe that healthier birth mothers create healthier open adoption relationships. I really do. I know that we need the mothers to be in healthier spaces to be able to have the adoptive parents feel like they're safe enough and secure enough to have them in this family dynamic. However, I do believe that adoptive parents have a lot of work to do to be able to welcome me into those spaces. And so adoptive parent and prospective adoptive parent um, education is a huge part of some of the work that we do as well um, to offer that education and perspective from a birth parent lens um, because the majority of the time adoptive parents are coming to the table and then this baby is here. And now we're connected with these two sides of this for life through this child. And you have nothing, you don't have anything in common. You're not maybe in the same social economic classes. You have very different beliefs politically, religiously, you have life choices that are made that you've never seen before, that you don't agree with, that you don't support, that she's living, and we're supposed to be thrown together for life and just tolerate each other, be best friends. I mean, how do we figure that out? And so navigating those differences um, is a huge part of, of how we want to help create healthier open adoption relationships. Mm. Um, and then our advocacy for reform uh, from a federal level down to state level um, there are very, very drastic changes that need to be made. It's like, you know, we have laws in place that aren't enforced. We have laws that shouldn't exist. We have the internet that changed adoption and laws never changed to meet what the internet did to adoption. I mean, there's so many things that we need to consider um, so law reform and advocacy has become a huge part of what we're doing, because at the end of the day, we can complain about all these issues and look at all these heartbreaking things. But if we can't force law to force the issues, we're not going to change anything. People will continue to do what they're doing. And so um, I never you know, it's so funny when I was when I was younger, my dad used to always think that I was going to like be a lawyer in a pinstripe suit in like New York going off on somebody in a court. And I feel like I got to I get to live that out a little yep, bit. In advocacy. It. <laughs> yeah. So it's been really interesting, my passion for creativity and writing materials and and advocating and stuff has all played out in this lived experience. And it's been really interesting to watch that play out. So we have our hands in a lot, but our at the core of it, if adoption isn't going anywhere and it's going to become more and more to the forefront of discussion for pregnant mothers, we have to have the systems in place in the aftermath to support them through their grief and trauma. Hands yeah. down. Yeah. So let me ask you this. I mean, and you don't have to give obviously all of them, but it, any examples of things that are in legislation now that you would love to see change or that from your perspective really need reform? Yeah. So um, obviously we're doing a lot of work around the trafficking and adoption, which is really huge. Um, but one of the biggest things is the illegal advertising of baby brokers, um, the unregulated and unlicensed um, people in this space um, that don't fall under the child placing agency laws. So these would be consultants or facilitators that literally are are selling babies through Facebook groups. I mean, we've got this baby broker ring wow. going and it's happening in so many spaces. This is, this is just specifically talking about um, being isolated in adoption, but we talk about um, families coming to the table in, in pain from infertility that are desperate for a child and you have people that'll prey on that and manipulate that. And I can get it faster, sooner, cheaper 
if we go through this avenue. But the problem is, is we have no regulation. They're not federally regulated. They're not licensed through child placing and social work law. And they can and they can make these exchanges. We talk about how far we've come, right? But when you look at some of these things, have we really come that far yeah. from people like Dr. Hicks that were putting babies through the cars in the back alley of his of his doctor's office, you know, in the 60s, 70s? So it's like the so the baby broker issue is massive. And if all of the unlicensed and unregulated professionals are no longer able to do business in this space, can we then regulate the child placing agencies to do better and raise them to a higher standard? I mean, I have a thousand more questions about that, <laughs> but we'll have to probably come back and do yes, that. Yes. A whole separate episode on that. One more question in that in that realm. Um, I guess you know you you talked you referenced tracking trafficking and I think we can all put the pieces together of what what that means. Now the world of sex trafficking is I, I feel like we have finally gotten to a place as a culture where we have um, made leaps and bounds in, in terms of awareness. I don't know that that same level of awareness is there when it comes to adoptive trafficking. And so, can you just kind of share what the current scene is in that world and why? Well, why we should stop it. That's a stupid question. Can you explain where we're at with that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So here's one of the things that's really complicated with trafficking and adoption is families are being built. And no family that brings a child home through trafficking wants to admit that they were a part of trafficking. That's a horrible thing to accept or understand or find out later in the aftermath. Right. There's going to be people, and oh man, you're asking, you're you're setting yourself up to go under fire a little bit with this episode because we're going to talk about a lot of things that are going to trigger a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but what's happening is we're moving women across state lines when we're um, committing uh, Medicaid fraud and falsifying documents through insurance and things like this to bring women across state line and put them in housing um, and violating and paying lump sums and violating compacts and things like that. Um, trafficking is happening within adoption. If you look at even like the list of like the top five things that groomers do in sex trafficking, and you look at that and you look at the parallels in adoption, adoption agencies could cross that line very, very quickly. And mm -hmm. so when you have those agencies that are fighting so hard to do this really well, but up the street, an agency, because it's within law, can then they cross over that line. Um, and so when you that's that's one of the reasons why um, education for prospective adoptive parents is so important for us. What are your non-negotiables? What are you willing to do to vet the agencies that you're working with? Are you willing to walk away from $5,000, $20,000 when you're discovering these things about agencies or consultants that you've hired to work for you. And that's a really big question. And I'm not here to say that you should or shouldn't, but you need to know these things ahead of time as you're walking into this. And so as we're, walk, as we're walking that very fine line between a legal, uh, legal finalization of adoption and legalized trafficking in America, they're not that different. And so um, bringing that awareness is, um, but it's, but it's really tough to fight against because a lot of the law, the law allows it, but also people aren't going to come forward when they have their baby home and admit that they played a right. role in track. They're just not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so how much of that happened yep. and people are hiding those parts of their yep. stories to themselves and to the children that they brought home. I mean, Ashley, I have had friends who in confidence have said, I'm looking back on the way this all played out and I just can't be so sure. Like, and I that- have thousands of stories like that. So many. I mean, yeah. so, so many. Yeah. So yeah. we've got to like wake up and maybe just start saying that out loud, right? Because- yeah. Like well, policy I, laws yeah. impact people and are made by people. And this is like the business of people. Like, yeah. Right. I just want, at the end of the day, you have to, you have to tell your child how they came home. At the end of the day, you have to answer to the adoptee right. and that adoptee is going to grow up. 
And I'm not saying that there aren't ick factors in general. That's just adoption. It's going to come with its own set of stuff. And what you can live with and sleep at night with is not going to be the same for everybody else. But what I'm asking you to do is take a a, a deeper look to say, if you're going to write the check for this, where's it going? What is it for? And what role do you play? And what can you live with and what can't you? Because at the end of the day, you will have to answer to your child about that, that was going to grow into an adult. And so I think that, and, and this isn't to, this, for those listening that maybe would even be considering adoption, this isn't to scare you, but this is to hold you accountable to say you play a role in this too, and that you need to do your research before you just go in. The tunnel vision of, I just want a baby home isn't enough anymore. Yeah. 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 Okay. I have another something I want to throw out and just get your thoughts on. And, um, oh goodness. Okay. So we, we know some laws have changed. We've hinted around that. Some laws have changed since you and I have been in person together and have seen each other and have had any time to really have a conversation. So I'm curious if you would be open or willing to talk with us about some of the language that bubbles up when abortion laws change and things start happening like, well, I'll adopt your baby and I'll take your baby. And like, can can we just sit with that a minute? And what what stirs in the world of the hearts and minds and bodies of birth mothers when we say those things like that? Really? <laughs> yeah. Can we, unless you don't want to, Fred, no, you, know, no, you can no, say, Tana, no thanks. Like, no, I, we need to. We need to have that minute. Can we do that yeah. together? Yeah. I mean, my um, tears are coming. I wonder if they would come with you and I. Like, here they yeah. are. Um, golly Molly, we conflate. There's, it's so much. We don't have to go all the way through all of that. Yeah. So um, the. Whew. So when the overturn of jobs came, I mean, you. I mean, everyone saw it. And take adoption out of it. I mean, this is such a complex thing. So we'll just yeah, scratch a teeny right. tiny little piece of yeah. this. Okay. And and I just want disclaimer for those listening, whether you think this is a win, if you believe that this is a win, there's still consequence in, in the win. Um, because at the end of the day, there's not enough infrastructure built in this nation to support what... I'm not surprised that it happened. I'm surprised that it happened as soon as it did. And I know that we aren't ready for the fallout. So for those that want to celebrate it just as a basic win, I get it and I hear you and I see you and maybe it is, but there's so much consequence in that win. Um, Yes. There... So from because birth, laws and policies impact real yeah. people. I mean, we and, can just yeah, and, yeah, and there's not enough structure and services That's right. in place to support the women that are now going to be facing these situations. So from a birth mother perspective, mm. so for those that are new to me and my story, my journey to adoption started in an abortion clinic, and I was two weeks too far along. So. I feel like, and, and so then adoption became my option. And, and now I can't imagine my son not being here, but I definitely had that stripped from me in that space because that was my mindset. Um, the birth mother community. Um, so there's been a couple of things. This is, there's been, there's been three things, <clears throat> three key things um, in language that have, that are so problematic. That need that need awareness. Um, just adopt. That's coming from Supreme Court. Let's just adopt. Um, there's no just anything in adoption. Thank you. That's it is great. never just anything in adoption. Yeah. And that just completely disregards so much. So, so there's never just, we don't just adopt. Okay. So I just want to make sure that that term 
is very, very clear. Um, <clears throat> if you're going to be pro-life, there's a difference in, it, a, a, again, according to Ashley, we, we, we don't get to be just pro-birth in this space. If you're going to be pro-life and care about the life of the baby and you have refused to see the women making those pro-life choices, we've missed the whole picture. Yes. And so if women are now in a space where they have to make pro-life choices, mm. um, you better, who, who's, who's going to put action to all of that that we've been spewing for all these decades? Because who's going to, uh, uh, if we're parenting or placing, who's managing all of that and taking care of all that and paying for all that? Because I know that, that families in this nation right now are tired and they're strapped and they're, so are you taking in children for free daycare while the women go to work because now they're parenting? Little teeny tiny things that haven't been thought out on a larger scale are going to be a problem. So um, if, we're, if we're really truly pro-life and you've missed the women that are making these choices now, you, you, you've missed it completely. Right. One, one thing real quick is because there's often this like dichotomy of choice set up. It's either abortion or adoption. But it's that's not actually what's happening. No. It's parenting yeah. or placement. You've said yeah. it. Yeah. And I just want to like mark yeah. that moment. Like it's yes. not about abortion or adoption. It's about parenting or placing. Yes. Abortion, abortion yeah. yeah. Abortion is not the opposite of adoption. Adoption. Right. So we need to like just strip that a yep. minute. Yeah. Look at that differently. Um, okay. Because these are uh abortion is whether you're carrying a pregnancy to term or not. Right. That's, that has nothing to do with parenting options. Right. That's right. whether I'm carrying this to term or not. Your parenting options over here are going to be, am I going to parent? Or am I choosing someone else to parent? Yeah. Right. So okay. we have, they're, they're two completely separate categories and have time limits on them that need to be considered. And separately. So, separately. Separately. Right. Adoption shouldn't even be in the conversation of abortion. It just shouldn't. But right. if this baby is going to come to term, now we're facing these options. Correct. Okay. That's, okay. Thanks for that. I just want to make sure yes. we were like yes. articulating so, that differential out loud. Yes. So whether the whether the woman carries the baby to term or not has nothing to do with what we need to do in the aftermath. Because if she's going to have the abortion, then all of these are irrelevant. But if she's going to carry the baby to term, then we have to consider these options in, in the support and resources that are going to be available to her. And either she's going to parent, she's going to choose somebody else to parent. Okay. And so what are those resources and what does that look like? And you have to support that woman in that choice if that baby comes to term. Okay. So then we have the other thing that's so problematic is everyone wants to throw around safe haven law. Like that's the answer to all things. Um, and that is so misguided for those that don't know in, in it's, in it's very simple as purest form safe haven was created for women that gave birth that didn't want a parent and could place their children in a Dropbox or at a fire station or a hospital and not receive criminal charges for abandonment of the child, okay? Without, without questioning, without DNA, without identifying information. And then that those children were then available to be placed for adoption or into care immediately. What using safe haven as a just adopt standpoint is is fueling abandonment and abuse of, of newborn babies. It's encouraging women to abandon children without going through the proper systems. And it was, and, and those, because we didn't want to see babies in dumpsters or under benches or in garbage cans. <clears throat> that is a very minimal percentage. People, you know, glamorize that and it makes for great lifetime TV and things like that. But that is a very, very small percentage of how safe haven was used. And now we're glamorizing it to make it an option to give birth and abandon children at hospitals or, or without criminal charges, without any, um, any accountability. And that is so dangerous. It is so dangerous on so many levels. Um, and so people 
part of the other problem with that is people believe that if I consider abortion, it's because I don't love or care about my child. And they have misunderstood that narrative completely and have never actually sat with a whole lot of people that have been in that state of crisis. So I think um, I think it's scary. I think that there's a lot of things that um, we won't know until some things play out. What I, I will say this, and then I will, I will have said my piece here, but I think that people believe that with this, that the, the number of waiting prospective parents in domestic infant adoption, that they think there's all of a sudden going to be this huge influx of babies. And so that they think that this is good, that we won't have to wait anymore for babies to come through adoption. I think that that is very misguided. I don't think, I think the numbers will spike a little bit here and there. I think it's going to be a more um, relevant conversation for sure, but that's not going to be where the numbers increase. The number is going to increase in single parents that lose their children to the state and we're going to crush a foster care system that's already destroyed. That's, that's my, that's my, uh, what I think is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, I know we were stepping into some tender places and, but I deeply value like your perspective. And I know that you're in a world where you're having to have these conversations yeah. and talk about this in a very real way um, and hold with a lot of nuance. Like, I think mm-hmm. we want this to be simple. Like we want phrases mm-hmm. and slogans and we want to just make this be something that it's just really, 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 really complicated. Um, And with, you know, when you look at the issues, we talked about the baby brokers and the facilitators, this just ramps up the capabilities of abuse and harm to the pregnant mothers. And so it's full circle for us in our adoption communities. But I also encourage those there's going to be more women that are carrying children to term that are going to be parenting that are going to need people to freaking put their action to where their mouth is, the money where their mouth is. Like you've all, you know, everyone in the nation has been claiming all of this and now it's here. Mm. But in what capacity does action match words? And I just don't know that people are capable to really show up in the ways that they've been spouting for two decades. I just really don't. We'll see. uh, we'll see. I love to be proved wrong. So we'll see. <laughs> so well, and Ashley, for people who, who hear that and say, well, help me know where I can give my money or where I can step in or where I can volunteer. Are, are there like general ideas of, of a few places that come to mind for you? Um, you know what, for me, I always go local. Like yeah. the, the national, the national, there's people, really great, smart people that are fighting on national levels for the issues but I need you to look local. What does your neighbor look like? What is, you know, I heard, I heard a quote once that said something about the automatic garage door, like ruins neighborhood community or something. Cause people would pull in and then be able to shut their garage before they like, <laughs> so that people didn't have to see them get out of their car or come home or things like that. Um, but this is, this is about putting, whether you think it's a win or not, yeah. what are the needs around you? And not, I'm not saying that everybody has to run the daycare out of their home, but what does food look like? What does gas look like? What does transportation look like? What is, and these are, but, but this isn't a temporary band. Like if she just decides to, this baby is here and she's going to parent for life. That's right. A, a pack of diapers isn't going to do anything that gets her through. I mean, a newborn, how many, yeah, Thursday, it gets her yeah. through a Thursday. Yeah. And and then and then what? And so these are the kinds of consequences that we talk about that that's so great but the quality of life of this family in the aftermath what does that look like? We can be pro life but what's the life look like? That's right. And and a pack of diapers and one month's rent is beautiful and wonderful, but you tell me how long that lasts. Yeah. Well, the answer is a whole like it's villages yeah. giving packs of diapers and months yeah. of rent and then yeah. DoorDash gift cards and coming yeah. and sitting with yeah. and all. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think local, the, the national elephant is, is going to make you inactive because you don't know where to start when things are so big, you don't know where to start. So you don't. 
So keep it simple, go local and, and figure out where you can be a best of service. And, and if you're not qualified in this and you can't give this, that's okay. I know you have something that you can do. Think outside of the box, be creative, but I promise you there's people in your neighborhood that need you. Mm. Don't let them close the garage door without being like, Hey, Hey, before you sneak in there, I can see you. I love it. I love it. Oh, I love that. Because that's also such a like heart and posture of like, which is the whole other thing. I mean, we, we don't need to turn into this big old conversation right now at this part of our episode, but how we view and stigmatize and stereotype and our perception and just all of that that comes into play. Um, you know, to say it maybe one more time, it's complicated and nuanced. And yeah. we just want to hold it with tender care, I think, yeah. as, as, and be curious and open-minded. And maybe like we started the episode, like maybe willing to change your mind a little bit about something or other as you're, as you're hearing different perspectives. So I really appreciate you um, sharing yours. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One more, one more question. And then we can, we can round and go to home. You said, and I'm not going to, I'm like, we got to circle back girl. I know it's, it's who I'm putting you on the hot seat. <laughs> hot seat, hot seat. You said somewhere in just one of your little moments that adoptive parents have a lot of work to do here. Um, and we were thinking, <laughs> and I'm just telling you, I'm listening. I'm listening. Um, and I know we've hinted at some of it, but maybe specifically around like keeping the conversation open as part of that constellation as it pertains to, I mean, you and I've talked before we've on the last episode we did with Carissa. I mean, we shared that like we as adoptive parents, I put myself in that category in this conversation have so much power over your ability to have room in the life of the child and in my home and in my family. And so I don't know what, what comes to your mind when you say adoptive parents have a lot of work to do and just give us a few thoughts. So I, I truly believe that adoptive parents are the, the key to unlocking real change in this country, because I think that they have the power and influence. Um, The question is, do they care enough past the desires of their own heart to put that to work? Um, Mm. What I know for sure is that um, the, my son, I'll use my personal experience. My son needs us both. Yep. A thousand percent. And you can't unfollow, block, deny, mm-hmm. reject biology of your child. Yep. And when we're mm-hmm. in a space that breeds insecurity, jealousy, competition, ownership that motherhood yeah. tends to do, um, yeah comparison, all, all of it. Um, especially, especially with infertility, but even, even not, um, it's, it's so hard to humble yourself enough to humanize me and give dignity to me, um, and allow space for me without feeling it like a threat to you. And so for adoptive parents, for, for my constellation with Derek, my son and his mom and I have had to come to a space where he can need us both mm-hmm. and love us both. And his love for me doesn't diminish his love for her. And if we're making him feel like he has to choose, we are the problem we are putting this child in a space to carry burden and to carry our insecurity and shame. And that is so wildly inappropriate and harmful and disrespectful and degrading and is the opposite of motherhood. 
Because if my son feels like he has to pick a parent that he need that he can love or that he can have or that he can need or want, I I don't see him at all. I, it is still con- completely self-serving. Um, and Derek can tackle me through the front room and come and sleep over and spend time with me and my husband and his siblings and tackle his mom on the front lawn and so grateful that he gets to go home to his house and his bed that he loves and his, you know, and his stuff and his friends. And none of that made either of us less than. There's not one thing. Now, I know that that feels scary and threatening. And again, I don't, I, I'm not asking you to be unsafe with your children. But if you're just uncomfortable, you don't get to use being unsafe as your excuse. There's a difference. There's a big difference between being unsafe and being uncomfortable. And I just know 1000% that regardless of how you feel about it, your child's going to need both. Mm-hmm. And if you, you have work to do, if you can't, if you feel like that makes you less than. Because if you need your child to fulfill everything about who you are, mm. that's you. Then you adopted for the wrong reason, and and shame on you. Really, I mean, I, I know this is where I can be like, girl, shame a little bit. Like, let's just do it. <laughs> I mean, usually I'm like, no, there's no place for shame. But no, shame a little I mean, bit, a little. Like when it comes to like. <laughs> The children, like I am always going to be like for the children, for the love of the children. Yeah. Like you and I've talked honestly about this. Like we, again, I mean, I know not every adoptive parent is the same. Okay. And we know not every birth family and mother, like we know we're, we're just speaking for ourselves. Okay. And some ability to like, we've been around the block a time or two. Yeah. But we can notice and see some patterns and, and okay. So we're going to step into that space a minute. But girl, we have got work to do, us adoptive parents, especially us mamas, to figure out how to make room. <laughs> like, like, well, you know, I'm going to rephrase that. There's already room. It's in my children's hearts. You're there. Yeah. Like, I can either acknowledge it, I suppose, or pretend it's not true. Like, there's so much here. Yeah. And that's just, that's a, only you can answer that question is why aren't you allowing the room to exist? Yeah. Or pretending it's not already in existence. Or or pretending that it's not there because you, and, and especially in domestic infant adoption. And I know this is not, it's, it's so tough because we use this blanket statement of adoption, but then you have foster care and kinship and international, all these things under this you know, generalization, but in domestic infant adoption, especially where they're bringing home this newborn and they really believe that they can bring this blank slate baby home and erase all of the needs um, that I can just bring this child home and erase any of the other stuff that happened and pretend that this is the origin story. Um, The question is, why do you need that to be the origin story? Why, what, what threat is it to you to have me matter because I, I people just need to stop watching lifetime movies. I'm not gonna, I can't come take my child. Like we don't cut, we don't come back and take in domestic human adoption. I know foster care is a whole different world, but at the same time, mm. even in fo- the need of the child, the space is still there to need both. And we've, we talked about this, even if a child is sleeping in circumstances that you as a foster or adoptive parent would see as unfit, that child may still choose that unfit space because they're with their mother. And so the way that you view her and the stereotypes and the judgments and the shame and the better than that narrative keeps you blocked from why I matter. Because you're not seeing me and we all have roles, rights, and responsibilities. And if you can't understand my role, because you, you can't see me, you can just see the things that you don't like about me. We have a big problem. Indeed. And we're ignoring like human biological 
yeah. genetic, like the way we're connected. Like, yeah. Yeah. That, of course that kiddo is wanting yeah. their yeah. mother. Yeah. Just yeah. And you can connect you from that reality and like yeah. honor that in your child. Like, well, and I just, I don't know how you can claim to love the child, when you know that so much that you love about them actually came from somebody else. I think that's worth saying again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Say, say that one more time. Yeah. I, I don't know how you can claim to love and honor the child that's in your home. Yep. When all the things, the yep. little quirky things and stuff that you love about them came from somebody else. Right. Yeah. The things that you delight and their smirks and their little cheeks and body frame, yeah. like everything that like delights in you. Yeah. Came from somebody else. I know. There it is. Yeah. Oh, Ashley. I mean, girl, thank you. <laughs> I mean, oh thank gosh. you for giving us like, like we just asked so much of you in this episode, like to come like honest and raw and we just kind of kept coming. And so I want to honor that. And, and I know we're not the only ones that do that to you. So you are making all of us better. Like yeah. just by continuing to step into this space and, you know, just coming with yourself, I really deeply appreciate you. Um, oh, I just, I, to give me a voice and a space that, allows me to sit and process and challenge people outside of their tunnel vision is, is so powerful for me. And, and I, and I encourage people to take what works and leave the rest. I know that there's stuff that's not going to make sense maybe in the world that you're parenting in, but I know there's something that was shared that matters and that will be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to leave with some hope for, um, adults and parents who are listening because it's easy to hear what Ashley just said and to let insecurity filter it to where then you start, you know, kind of like riling up defensively to what was said. And I, I say from a hopeful standpoint, um, this, this situation's a mess. Like adoption is a mess mm-hmm. of, a, of a life situation and it is not without the space, as Ashley said, for everybody in that situation to be collectively seeking the best for each other. And so when we, when we do that, there are uh, moments built that do not seem possible in the beginning or, or wouldn't seem possible if you just described the situation to an outsider. Um, but there is room for healthy birth family relationships for healthy adoptee relationships with birth parent and with adoptive parents. Um, And for adoptive parents, let's say that you are panicking right now because you are starting to realize this phase of life. Oh crap. I think I did adopt for the wrong reasons, but now there's a child in my home and I don't know where to start. There's hope for you too, as you hear that and figure that out to then begin doing the work to turn that around and to, to Right. And so um, I I think that's what I want all of us to remember this. And it's, it's easy to feel discouraged in a moment and to allow walls to close in and then to just escape because that's the easiest way out. There is hope that doing the work and having the hard conversations and being willing to listen and willing to learn can then redeem these situations into the, the beautiful relationships that we've been talking about today. I love thinking about change and change happens incrementally. And it can feel really overwhelming, but we started off talking about um, National Adoption Month and this photo challenge that you can find right now if you're listening in the month of November, go find Ashley on Instagram and you will see it's these beautiful knee-to-knee daily prompts that are talking about then and now. And they're taking my breath away as different people are sharing their experiences because what we're seeing is that we are all want to stay open. So to your point, JD, it can feel really overwhelming Mm -hmm. to just take in all of the little places that we jumped around in the last hour, but start and like grab the nugget that like perked something in you or stirred something in you and ponder that thing. 
and then be mindful and reflective on what needs to apply to me. What might I want to reflect back on? How might I see something differently? And that's the whole knee to knee, right? Ashley, that's putting knee to knee together. Yeah. And I, you have to remember if you're listening, you're listening to me almost 17 years in not just my own personal relationship, but in this space of adoption reform and to be able to be connected with other accounts and other voices through this challenge, but also remember that you're hearing me now, but where I was then was not, no one comes to this space knowing what they know. Like they all come at a starting point and then evolve and grow and, and change. And I know I would not be here, you know, 16 years later having sleepovers with my son, if it wasn't for the work that his mom does it for herself and in their home. I needed her. I chose her to be the parents of my son. She yeah. did the work and I'm here with him because of how she spoke of me. Even when I was in years of absence, even when I was doing all of the horrible things to them, she talked about me the way that she did that allowed the door to stay open. I mean, we needed each other in that and we've evolved and grown with each other in that. And so um, if if you're feeling... um guilt or shame, I know we can offer you how to pull out of that and work to do. Don't shut down. Don't, I want you challenged, but I don't want you to shut down and be, and feel like this is an attack because we need you. I, again, circling back, I believe that the adoptive parents can make the greatest change in this space. And so we need you, we need you desperately to be in that space. And so, uh, but it's been really cool for, even for me to be like, people forget that who they're listening to now on this powerful, you know, very (laughs) um, outspoken space is not who I was 16 years ago. And I had to grow and evolve. And I am not the norm in birth parent voices that you're going to, that you're going to hear from or that are in part of your constellation. I'm like 0.0001% of what, what birth parents are on a national level. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, here we are to the best of our ability, just trying to hear each other and be gentle and open and curious and have a bit to, to the best of our abilities, a growth mindset. So thank you for inviting us into your space, your story, your experiences, your perspective. And um, I do hope that we will, you and I will circle back, maybe JD too, in five, six, seven years from now. And, you know, Lord willing, yeah. think about what's changed then and, yeah. and where are we now? Like, I, I am an advocate and I believe that transformation and change is good and right. And I, I want to be different 10, 15 years from now. And you said 16 years for you. I mean, our oldest is 22. And I am not the same and didn't, I mean, my motivations are different now than they Mm -hmm. were then. And that's good. That's good. Yeah, it should be. It it should should be. be. That's, I agree. So thank you again for your time and um, appreciate you. Y'all go find her on the socials and follow along. You'll be grateful um, because you highlight other really important voices too. So you're yeah. so good. I stay um, ear to the ground. So thank you for holding that space. Of course. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, just, you know, some light conversation for your Tuesday morning. <laughs> um, I, I just, a huge thank you to Ashley for coming on and joining us today and, um, I'll just say, I mean, I left that conversation challenged, um, provoked. I felt, um, like I learned a ton, um, and just really appreciate all of Ashley's perspective that she brought, um, to us and, and always do. But, um, if you are not following her at big tough girl on Instagram, you should do that. You can find that link in our show notes below. Um, also I would encourage you to check out the different things that she is working on. She is, as she said, working on a ton. So I would encourage you to jump in, figure out what it is that she's doing, see how you can uh, learn from or be a part of that with her. Um, And just uh, 
continue to grow um, by expanding your own viewpoints and uh, learning from other people around us that uh, may have different perspectives than we do. So again, thanks to Ashley. Thank you to Tana also for joining us. Um, Thank you to Kyle Wright who edits and engineers all of this audio that you're hearing today to Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the Empowered to Connect podcast and me. I'm J.D. Wilson and I am your host and we will see you next week on the Empowered to Connect podcast. Bye.